Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Off the wall, gang. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, 60 minutes, and all the opinions we can spout forth in that time. And in case you didn't recognize it, that beautiful theme music that we were all just jiggling along to in the studio is in fact a sign that this week it is, of course, a US election special. How could it not be? Because that's all we have talked and mourned about for the last week and a bit. Um, So we will be discussing all things election, all things... Trump, must we? And all things Hillary Clinton and our hopes and fears for the future. Um, with me today, as ever, are my beautiful co-hosts, including the lovely Natalie Campbell. Hello. And the ridiculously charming Emma Sexton. Hello. Uh, so, ladies, welcome back. Tell us, what have you been up to this week, Nat? So, I have been um, recovering from, obviously, the historic, uh, well, historic in a in a weird way, uh, election that we had. I stayed up the whole night, so I, I pretty much started checking in coverage about 7pm, um, forgetting, well not forgetting, but uh, ignoring the fact that I then had an 8am meeting the next day. So I had an hour's sleep between 4.45 and then having to get up at, at 5.45. Um, so I'm still in recovery, basically. That's okay. You're on US time, which suits this show. <laughs> Emma, you have been living it, haven't you? Yes, I'm also on US time, a bit jet-lagged, because last week I was, well, fortunate and unfortunate for being in America, in Miami. But luckily for me, on the Wednesday, I jumped onto a ship for the amazing Summit at Sea, which was this most incredible, life-changing business, mind, body, soul, well-being conference that I've ever been on in my entire life. But it meant I was completely off-grid for the whole of the kind of media fallout after Trump. So in one way, that was amazing. And obviously, had some very interesting conversations. We're going to hear a little bit about those, some of those conversations later. Um, I think you're probably in the right place post-election. I think there are a lot of other Americans who also wish they could have hopped on a ship at that point. Um, But tell us, how are we all feeling 
now that we have Donald Trump as the US president. What was your reaction, Nat, when you stayed up till 4.45? So one of the reasons I decided to do this, and it it came to me a a couple of years ago, was that in, in terms of world events, when you wake up to them and it's immediate, you feel the shock. You feel like it's a tragedy. When you watch something unfold, this is what I found personally, you're more okay with it. So I watched the general election. And again, it's that point where it's like, oh, will it, won't it? And then it's like, right, this is what's going on. It was the same with Brexit. I stayed up to watch the whole thing. So when most people were sort of in shock and mourning and, you know, ranting away on twi- on Twitter and, and Facebook, I had been up for, I'd had a whole half a day-ish to kind of get used to it. So then I'd rationalised what, what, what good could possibly come out of it. And it was the same for this election. I stayed up. So at the point where it was like, it's definitely Hillary. Then it was like, oh, um, she'll struggle. And then it was like, oh, uh, he's just won Florida. And we also had a WhatsApp group. So by the time it was sort of 7 a.m. and I was on the train going into this meeting for 8 a.m., I knew what was going on and I was okay with it. I had made peace with it. It wasn't that immediate trauma. Whereas everyone I know that woke up in the middle of the night or woke up to hear the news got caught up in the hysteria of, oh my goodness, what's going on? The world's about to implode. And I just didn't feel like that. I'd already started to put in place, well, what what good can come of this? That is great. But for future, can I please ask you to go to sleep? Because you staying up is not a good omen for the way I want mates to go. Um, Emma, what was it like surrounded by Americans when it happened? What was their response to it? Uh, there was utter devastation. And it really, in a way, I kind of felt like, I really know what you're going through. Because after Brexit, I was devastated after Brexit. I've got to say, for about a week, I felt anxious. I felt worried. I didn't know what was going on. But I think... I took from that is that actually you have to trust everything is okay and then out of massive change comes different things so I, there was an awful lot people were really emotional about it and really upset about it but also what I noticed it was it was basically Brexit 2.0 you know in terms of people assuming that the people who voted Trump were not women who were racist and actually I met people last week who were women who were highly educated women who were you know who were practicing law who voted for Trump so it was a uh, very interesting but just mimic Brexit it was re- it was just fascinating how it was a number two but that really made me start to go hang on what's going on in this bigger world here for these two almost exactly the same scenarios going on mm-hmm. in two different countries So do you think, because it was, we did all kind of think it was going to be a Hillary Clinton walkover, didn't we? No. No. Did you not? No. Okay, just me. I'm hopeful. (laughs) Okay. I was hopeful. I was hopeful for Hillary. But no. I think for for somebody like Trump and the stuff that he was saying, for him to be so popular, there was a bit of me going, there is something else going on here. And you only had to look at like UKIP in the UK and go, there's a lot of people who thought UKIP... And still think you keep saying great stuff, and it's like there's something else going on here. I also have the producer Laurie has just informed me that we've definitely got it on tape somewhere where you both thought Hillary was going to win. <laughs> so we're going to find really? that and bring it back. But, but that was, you know, think a lot happens in a week, and so from our last show to the actual election, um, just following the news cycle, starting to to kind of check in on well, what does Hillary have to do to win? I was like, okay, it really could go either way, and even when. The, the whole thing started and the pollsters were saying you know she's a, a few points ahead it was like okay but 
nothing here is certain. And my other thing as to why I thought he could possibly win is, you know, the entrepreneur's mindset comes in. Five years ago, he watched or he was roasted by Obama. And you could see in his face, he was like, I'm going to have your job. And I know that thing well as an entrepreneur. I have sat there and someone has said to me, I can't do something. And that's when I'm like, I'm going to be your boss's boss. And I know that, you know, that deep passion to just win. And he had it. He wanted to win and he was like, you are not going to roast me again. This is it. This is your chance. And that's what drove him through. So I was like, just that alone, there's something about him that's going to take him to the job. I think we've just identified the Donald Trump of the badass. (laughs) 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 Emma, what what did you think was kind of the driver for it? Because there has been lots of talk in the media about these secret Trump voters. So the people who voted for him but didn't want to say, because all the polls were saying Hillary had it. Did you kind of meet some of them on your trip? And what were they talking about? Yeah, what was it like for them? I did. I had a dinner and at this summit, what they do is they book you in for dinner and you sit at a table with random people. That's part of their thing about conversation at the dinner table. And I sat down next to this girl uh, who was American from New York, who was a lawyer. She works at one of the top ad agencies in New York. And uh, we started having a conversation. She was asking me about Brexit. And then it finally emerged that she'd voted for Trump. And she was talking about the fact that she'd not been at when she had told girlfriends that she didn't want to vote for Hillary, that they had shut her down so that she felt she couldn't voice a concern. When someone at the table realised she voted for Trump, they walked, they got up and left the table. Um, And this is a girl or woman who highly educated she says I know the political system inside and out I know what Hillary stands for she said don't get me wrong both of those candidates are appalling I don't like either of them but we need change and if Hillary gets in we are not going to have change and she talks through all the challenges with Obamacare and I think what we forget and we also forgot this with Brexit is in the US there's an awful lot of people who are just struggling to feed their families put food on the table have lost their jobs now when you have nothing things like human rights feminism are all great topics but actually you are struggling you are going to vote for the wild card because you're you've got no other choice and I think this was really clear when you looked actually at the electoral map and where people had voted and which states were voting you could see that the Clinton supporters were all around the coasts. So they were East Coast and West Coast. And pretty much the entire middle of America was Republican. Mm. And does this mean... We had a similar thing with Brexit, right? So does it mean that actually as... And I never thought I would class myself as this. As part of a, quotes liberal elite, have we lost tra- lost touch with what's going on with the rest of the world? Yeah, I think we're liberal dickheads. I think we live in a bubble. We do. I've noticed this the past uh, couple of not weeks. Not me. <laughs> Okay, I am a liberal dickhead, <laughs> liberal elite dickhead, dickhead. Seriously, I've not even thought about it. In fact, I had a conversation about a month ago with somebody who said a similar thing. He was mm-hmm. like, you're just living in this bubble in London. He says, you have no idea what's going on outside in the UK. He said, you have no idea what's going on in that, in that town up north somewhere. And I thought to myself, do you know what? I don't. And I haven't for a minute stopped to even think about it. Okay, so and I think this is one of the other reasons why in all cases, whether it was Brexit or or um, towards the end, um, Trump, doing the work that I do and sitting on the boards that I sit on, I get to spend a lot of time outside of London. So uh, pre-sitting on the board um, of, of a large social funder, I thought Rural was still having a pub, uh, a post office and a village shop. And they were like, you know, I went out to, to, to meet these communities. Like, no, Rural, rural is, you are the only one four miles let's let's start there in terms of rural there is no village post office and and also going to uni in Lancaster where you know it was between the the campus and town it's cows and sheep 
being in those environments and living and working on the skirt and estate, you see that relative poverty. You know, I grew up in northwest London, um, used to have fun hanging out on the estate. I'm not a world away from what obviously I've I've worked my way out of that, but I'm not a world away from that reality. So it's easy for me or easier for me to see how much people are struggling and not sit in that bubble, which is why I said no. Yes, there are moments where you when you spend time with your friends you forget just how hard it is for other people but I think it's very easy if you have your eyes open to be reminded because is it because we do have this problem with social media where social media essentially filters out everything that doesn't sit within your friend bubble Mm. so you see what your friends say and generally if they're your friends they probably agree with you you have similar points of view Mm -hmm. so we end up in this kind of weird world where our newsfeed is just recirculating our own views and we don't see anything different to that. Is that actually making us maybe less tolerant of other people? I think it's a chat. So again, I can only speak for me, but being a journalist, I make sure my news consists of the Daily Mail, the Guardian, the Telegraph, um, and you know a whole range of, of blogs and other content in between because I want to know what middle UK think. I want to know what people like me think, you know. I want to also know, um, I want a difference in perspective. I want to hear the things that make me uncomfortable. I don't want the PC version of things. And if it makes me uncomfortable, then it means I can respond. It means I can have a position. But I I only do that because I'm a journalist. So I guess that's my own privilege and and elite position too. One of the most shocking things for me from the US election was the fact that when I actually looked looked at the breakdown of who voted for who, um, white women voted in the majority for Donald Trump. How is that possible? How have we got women voting, A, against another woman, but also for a man who is so aggressively misogynistic? Is it against another woman or is it for someone that said something that appealed to them? And I, I'm, I'm really devil's advocate in here because obviously my vote would have gone to Clinton. But I think, A, there are women that like men that are completely misogynistic, um, that do things like grab them by the pussy. I know, it's vile. Uh, but there are women that, that that really doesn't mean anything negative to. They'd like him to have a shotgun and go hunting too. Um, you know, there are women out there that also feel left behind and don't think they will get anything different from Hillary. I don't even know if they see or perceive Hillary as a female candidate. Well, I think actually the two candidates were just kind of caricatures of the two parties. Mm. And I think, yes, all we got over here was like Hillary Trump, Hillary Trump the whole time. And it was all about them as individuals and what they said as personalities. But I think in America, they're probably looking more... And they must have been from the actually the policies and what was going to happen and what was going to drive change. I mean, you know, the girl that I spoke to last week, she's a she's a feminist. She's been brought up in the family to be a feminist. And she's like, I did not want, um, you know, the Hillary's party to be in. And one of the things I think is also really interesting is actually there was lots of talk about how fantastic Hillary's concession speech was. And people said that it was really almost the highlight of the whole campaign. It really showed her humanity and her as a person and I think for a lot of people they hadn't grasped that before they didn't see her as a real person Mm. you think that's true I don't think when she so I remember when the Clintons were in power and I remember she definitely had something about her for 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 her for, for the first lady to be in my psyche at such a young age um 
but I think she and, and I'm getting, I'm saying this in relation to Trump. Trump, what you see ish is what you get. He's, he's not particularly different from what he was like on on The Apprentice and pre all of this. You know, I've read the Trump books. In my mind, he was sort of a good entrepreneur to to kind of embrace for a while. Um, whereas Hillary, we haven't seen much more than the the ambition and the pantsuit. Again, that's not a bad thing. I'm all about ambition and I love a good pantsuit. But you have to show more of yourself in this day and age. You cannot be overly politically correct. You cannot be that guarded and that close and expect people to buy into what you're going to do for them. You cannot expect them to buy into you giving them a better life, which is what they bought into with Obama. They saw authenticity. They saw passion. They saw someone that was listening and they saw change. It it didn't wholly come to fruition, unfortunately. Um... But Hillary should have learned something from that. So I think there's a, a kind of wider point here, which is really, what does this mean for women in power as a whole? And where do we go from here? And so we're going to be discussing this in part two and answering the question, will we actually ever have a female president? Oh, 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 oh. can you see by the dawn's early light? What's so proudly be held at the twilight's last gleaming? Who's right, right, and right stars? Through the perilous fight, over the ramparts we watch. We're so gallantly streaming, and the rockets red glare. The bombs bursting in the gate through through the night that a flag was still in. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave over the land of the free and the home of the brave? part two of the badass women's hour our u.s election special we've been discussing donald trump hillary clinton and everything in between um and we're going to take that into part two as well so we actually thought that as three british women with all our opinions we should probably add an american woman into the mix just for a bit of authenticity um so we asked our special totally unofficial US correspondent Melissa Jun Raleigh to give us her opinions on the election and what she thought of it. Um, Nat, tell us a little bit about Mel. So Melissa is a dear friend and definitely one of the the badass crew. She's also a flocker which is Emma's um, collaborative network for amazing people all over the all over the world. That's flocker people F-L-O-C-K-E-R not anything else. <laughs> of course. Um she is a a tech entrepreneur that has set up a number of different platforms to support uh, both uh, refugees but also um, low-income families. She's currently in Lebanon doing amazing things and she is, uh, you know, it, she has done both coasts. So she's been West Coast and East Coast. She's lived in LA and she's lived in New York, but she also grew up in Michigan. So I think she has a very interesting perspective on uh, the election. Great. So we asked her, first of all, who she was voting for and what she felt about the candidates. I felt very nervous, excited and ultimately devastated watching the election earlier this week. I stayed up all night in the UK. I was texting people in New York, Los Angeles, Michigan, Barcelona and here in London. And I cried several times at night and in the morning. 
I was rooting for Hillary Clinton because I think she is, by a landslide, the most qualified candidate to be our president. She's dedicated her entire professional life to fighting for social equality. And Hillary really doesn't get credit for a number of doors she's opened. When she was first lady, she went to Estonia to study their universal health care system so that something similar could be implemented in the United States. And when she came back to America, people laughed at her for trying to attempt such a thing. Years later, Obamacare came to fruition. I have a ton of thoughts on Obamacare, which I'll get into in a minute. But I have to say that even though Hillary didn't win, she has set the precedent for more women to push as hard as she has. And that in itself is a victory. So we heard a little bit from Mel there about her views on the candidates and why she felt they were kind of supported or not supported. Emma, if you had had US citizenship, who would you have been voting for? Well, of course I would vote for Hillary, but I must admit, not just because she's a woman. I would have voted because I I can see the anarchy that a wild card like Trump is going to probably bring to the table. And I just think that that's just not worth the, the wild card bet. However... I am very interested to see how an entrepreneur, I mean, I haven't read Trump's books, I'm interested to read those now, because for all of his character, I'm very interested about an entrepreneur running a country, because for a long, long time, I've always thought, can we just scrap this political system and get like a board of directors who are from diverse backgrounds, who are business people, so I'm interested in that perspective. So I would have gone for the safe bet for Hillary, but yeah, not just because she's a woman, but just because the disruption that might it could go either way and if it goes the wrong way we're all in big trouble aren't we i love the fact that you were like if i was voting i wouldn't just vote for a candidate i'd vote to get rid of democracy (laughs) (laughs) it hasn't served us we don't want it here i belong democracy yeah i i really know i do think we need a different democracy (laughs) different can't we redesign can't we reinvent democracy of course we can totally try. Um, I think that's what's called dictatorship, but we'll come to that later. <laughs> um, so we also asked Mel what she thought of the decision and um, her views on the outcome. I'm not shocked that Donald Trump won. I am severely heartbroken, but not shocked. He won because he was able to tap into the anger and resentment of at least half of America. He was able to stir motion in enough people and convince them that he can do a better job than a politician. And what Hillary Clinton did not do was convince enough people that she's not just like every other politician in America who has either led them astray or forgotten about them. Let me preface this by saying I do not believe that all the people who voted for Donald Trump are racist, misogynistic, or xenophobic. I grew up in a small town in Michigan where a number of people voted for him, and I can tell you from firsthand accounts that people have been suffering terribly. They have lost their jobs to foreign factories. They have lost their homes. They've gone in debt from having to pay for Obamacare. People are angry, and they're sad, and they've had nothing left to grab onto except something as new and extreme and different as Donald Trump. While I'm for the Affordable Health Care Act, because it's allowed so many people with pre-existing conditions to have health care, I can tell you that it's anything but affordable. The bottom line is Donald Trump won because many parts of rural America and some parts of the 1% voted against the system. When I drove cross-country when I was 22 years old, all I saw through middle America were fields of corn. That is most of the U.S., It is not the West Coast and East Coast. People living in California and New York forget that there's a whole middle part of the country. Uh, It's very coast-centric. I used to say that when I lived in both L.A., New York, and San Francisco. 
So, Natalie, tell us, from your point of view, do you think that this has been a disaster for women in politics? Uh, not at all. I, do, I don't think it's a disaster for women in politics. I think all it does is is give us a, uh, not a guidebook, but it highlights what people want. And if you're a woman going into politics, it really shows that it's not about being like the boys. It's not about being um, this weird sort of uh, quite alpha leader that doesn't connect. It's about bringing who you are to the table. And, you know, if, fine if you're, if you're like that. But I think it's, it's showing us that for women to get ahead in politics, you, you need to just be yourself that's what the math that's what the population want they want people that are themselves whatever you say about trump or farage or whatever it is they connected with people because they called it they said it like they saw it they, they, they called people out on stuff things that they were doing themselves but to other people they were authentic and i think you know post one of our conversations i had a hashtag up on my my twitter that was that said squad and i was like you know what would the world be like if we had clinton merkel may eagle um and uh and sturgeon and you know i think that would be an amazing world uh, and an interesting world but unfortunately what we're seeing is that the women that are going through this process are still leading in the way of the boys. Are they leading in the way of the boys or are they being forced to lead in the way of the boys? Because I remember when we were back looking for the Democratic candidate and it was Clinton v Sanders and everyone was like, Sanders is so authentic, he's so real, he says the things nobody else dares to say. And I was like, yeah, and he can say that because he is an old white man. Could you have said that as a woman and been taken seriously? I'm not sure you could. Mm, no, I think I, I think you can. So Obama came through and he was very authentic. Uh, I think, you know, there are a, a few women in politics that um, are a lot more of the now. I, I know it's not um, his male, but, you know, the, the new Canadian uh, president, I cannot say his surname for the, for the Trudeau. life. Trudeau. Oh, oh, is it Trudeau? Yes. Yes. It sounds so beautiful to be rolling off the map. He is uh, phenomenal. Justin yeah. Trudeau. He, he has come into power and said, I'm not going to do it like the old school. I'm not going to do it like my father. I'm going to be the sort of leader I would want and my team are going to represent that. But that's my point, which is he is still a white man. Yeah, but I, I, I do have a struggle with, you know, yes, I want equality. Yes, I'm a feminist. But at the same time, I see this a lot. You see it in business, see it in politics. You've got these women who are progressing to these senior positions. But to me, my question is they're not necessarily changing everything just because they are a woman. If they're still operating to the old ways of doing stuff, the very masculine way of leadership, you know, what I want to see is these women being able to come through, women and men, to be authentic, to, de to demonstrate feminine, um, uh, masculine and feminine traits and for that to be accepted and for us to look at new types of, of leadership. You know, do, it, everything is so one-dimensional. It's just so masculine and so alpha masculine. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's just, where are those people like the Canadian... Everything I see about him is just amazing. And yes, he's a white man, but his values, his beliefs, that's... That's what I want to see more of. I agree. And I'm not saying that he should be kind of cut out of the conversation because he's a white man. But what I'm saying is I think that he's allowed to have values and beliefs that are counter to what we think of as an established leadership quality 
because he is a white man. So he's already imbued with a level of safety and security because of who he is. Whereas if we had a woman who was standing up and saying, do you know what? I feel like the guys have got it wrong for centuries now. So I am going to do it in a completely different way. And I'm going to lead in a completely different way. And actually, I am going to have photos with my makeup off and my trainers on and walking down the beach in shorts and a t-shirt because that's what David Cameron could do. And everyone thought, how nice. I don't think they would get elected. Yeah, unfortunately, I think you're... I See, I disagree. And I think, you know, I think we say Michelle Obama's name every 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 uh, every week, um, but I think people are warming to that level of leadership, that global leadership that is completely balanced with masculine and feminine values. Yeah, the two go together. Someone talking about family. Someone. Call, I mean, she is. She was like, I'm not even going to say this man's name, but I'm going to call him out, and you're going to know who I'm talking about, and I am going to side eye him, and I'm going to throw some shade on him. And you're going to love me for it. And that's why, you know, Michelle Obama 2020 started trending because that's what they want. Yeah. They, people want authenticity. They don't want to be lied to. They don't want BS anymore. They don't want a front. But do you know what's really interesting about that is Michelle Obama, though, is really popular outside the US. Inside the US, not so much. This is true. Because she, and, and I think that's, but it, it's different... Well, it's not different. The challenge Michelle Obama has had in the US is she that there's this thing called the angry black woman stereotype. And that has generally been how she's perceived in, in the US. But I think on a global scale, we are looking for that more personable leadership. So we also asked Mel, what does she think was going to happen next? And what would she be doing next? Personally, I'll continue to write about and fight for equal rights for women and minority groups. I'll keep developing social impact programs to help marginalized communities, and I'll do this with even more conviction. A friend of mine in Portland and I are starting a blog and a forum for people in the U.S. and the U.K. to discuss the election and Brexit, and we want to include as many perspectives as possible. So I'll be looking for people who voted for Trump and who voted to leave the EU to contribute. Please spread the word. I obviously know a lot more Clinton and Remain voters than I do the opposite, so I can use all the help I can get. So ladies, we heard Mel there talking a little bit about how we can create a world where we listen to both sides, where we try and understand, where... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. 
we allow more voices into the debate so that hopefully we get a better view of what's actually happening and what the real problems really are. Um, post this, I don't know about you ladies, but last week I was really sad. I was really sad, had a little cry, felt really like everything that I had worked for for the last 10 years had been really unimportant and dismissed. Um, and I felt really defeated by it. But I'm over that. That was last week. <laughs> and this week I'm coming back with how can we create more female leaders? How can we do more? How can we be more activist? So what do you think we should be doing next? Emma? I think, I mean, I hear you in terms of like, you know, feeling low last week. Me personally, I was like, actually, this is probably the best thing to happen because if Hillary had got in, we'd all just cruise along. We'd all be a bit complacent that we're all heading in the right direction. With Trump getting in, there's this like passion, there's some anger, there's some fire. And now people are going to be like, we are still getting to that destination and no one is going to stop us. And I think that that will be more progressive in the end than than the other route. So I think we can just... Con- keep continuing what we're what we're doing you know a lot of that we had some inspirational speakers on that boat last week and one of them was a psychiatrist and she was basically saying you don't have to start groups and do big activism you can just start with yourself and the people that you interact with by listening more and doing what you can to support these causes because it's one plus one plus one so actually don't don't freeze and paralyze yourself by thinking, oh, my God, I've got to do this big thing. You don't just start living the way that you want to live, that you think is right and 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 create a ripple effect. Nice. I love that. Um, so I actually did something similar. So every week on my Instagram on a Sunday night, I talk about five things I'm going to do next week. And my five things for this week were all about how to bring a little more peace to the world. Um, and number five was I'm going to spend less time talking and more time listening, <laughs> which is really hard for me, but probably of massive good to the rest of the world. Um, so we're going to leave our US election special sort of there for now. And we're heading into section three where we'll be doing our problem page. So any badass balls ups you've had every week, we try and solve them and you can tweet us or email us and tell us your problems and we will try and fix them. Emma, they could tweet me at Harriet Minter. Where could they tweet you? You can tweet me at, at Emma Sexton. And Nat, what about you? They can find me at, at Nat D. Campbell. So do tweet us your problems and we will be here in section three talking about whether or not you should cut off your newsfeed, how you deal with negative people and answering the biggest question of all. Is monogamy over? So welcome back to section three of the Badass Women's Hour. Um, We are in our Badass Balls Up, which is where we use our combined wisdom, 
nearly 100 years and all the mistakes we've made in that time to really help you solve your problems and maybe lead a better life. Hopefully. Maybe. Sometimes. Uh, so, this week, my first problem that um, has come into me is about our news feeds. And it has been quite a grim week for news. There hasn't been a lot of lightness and humour. Um, and so the problem that um, I've been given is, is it okay to turn off your news feed? Is it okay to have a news blackout and just step away from it and say, I don't want to know? You are both nodding yes. very enthusiastically <laughs> at me. Yeah. I've that, just come from a news break. Like yeah. I had no internet, no connectivity for three days. And it was amazing. Like it was the best thing ever. What was amazing about it? I think... You know, the end, I, and I certainly learnt this after Brexit. I mean, I was going to switch off my newsfeed anyway, even if I wasn't forced to, because what I found with Brexit is that it was just constant. So, you know, I was already feeling anxious about what had happened. And then every time I looked at Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, it was just more and it was everyone's anger and emotions and unhelpful comments. And it didn't do anything but keep fueling my anxiety. So I'd already made a decision that I wasn't, uh, I was going to switch off the newsfeed. Yeah. But once we've switched it off, now, can you go back? Like, is it not bad actually for your career, for your life, and conversation to not know what's going on in the world? I so uh, a couple of years ago, I had a, a no news sort of policy, and this wasn't um, online. So I would still, you know, do my looking at my various news publications just to see what's going on, how, how you know, what, what are people talking about. But I would not watch television news. So I would not watch, you know, news at 10, any, you know, London news. I would just not watch it because the, 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 what was going on mixed with the visual, I just found my evening started in a depressed state. So now I put on jazz when I get home and I don't care what's going on in the world because I, it's me and, and jazz and me, jazz and the candles and me, jazz and dinner and wine. And that yeah, I was going to say, where's the wine? Course, yeah, no, I try, I'm being good. <laughs> I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf. Um, so I think it, it, it's really important to step back from everything that's going on in, on, on in the world. And it goes back to the point we were making before and really focus on what's real. What's real is the relationship you have with the person next to you. What's real is the difference you can make in the world. What's real is your ability to actually change your environment and your circumstance. That's real. What's going on... Th- you know, 3,000, 4,000 miles away. Yes, it's real, but it's not your immediate circumstance. So I think we just need to bring ourselves back into the present and and part switching off the newsfeed as a way of doing that. So what we think is maybe it's not about kind of switching off forever, but it's about how you manage it and what you take in and what you also need to kind of keep your energy levels up mm. when all around you. Yes, it's- be aware of that, you know, you get bombarded with so much and it does go in. Whether you're scanning, you might just be scanning your Facebook page, but if that, if you, the emotions that are coming through that or the, the, you know, the things that you're skim reading, they're all going into your subconscious. So you have to be, you do have to be really mindful about actually what you're taking in and from where. But I'm the same as now. I don't watch TV anymore because daytime TV, mm. evening TV is just... All it does is fuel kind of fear. I can't, on that, I can't actually even watch popular soaps anymore. No, me neither. Because of how depressing the storylines were. And they're so emotional. Everybody just argues with each other and it's just like, it's just fear. It brings you down. So I don't, it's the same with the news. I I just don't have it in my life come a certain time. No Coronation Street girls. No, no no Corrie. No Emmerdale. Poor old Corrie. Just a quick question. If you don't watch Corrie, you don't watch Emmerdale. There's no news. 
What TV are you watching? Netflix. Jazz. Watch I listen to jazz when I get in. What do you need to watch TV? Or undermined? I'll do a Netflix. Yeah. I'll watch a TV show. If someone goes, oh, have you seen that? It's amazing. Then I'll watch it. Time for TV. We're trying to take over the world. We haven't got time for TV. There's no TV watching happening here, except, (laughs) strangely, everyone knows the storyline for TOWIE. Oh, yeah. TOWIE made in Chelsea. I will watch those. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, we've already discussed this. I don't watch these shows. Oh, no, it's she doesn't. Natchez watches Married at First Sight. That's what we know. (laughs) Uh, so this actually leads us kind of into our second question, which Nat, you have. Tell us what that is. So this uh, actually came from someone in my team and it was, how do you deal with negativity? So it might be that, you know, someone just had a really bad week because of what's going on in the world, but they're sending negativity your way. How do you maintain a positive outlook when people that you're working with very closely are very negative and, um, I guess, quite... Uh, um, aggressive and heavy and then drains draining Radi- not exactly. radiators drain yeah, exactly first thing I do is take them off my Christmas card list you write Christmas hang cards hang on I've never <laughs> had a Christmas card from you Emma Sexton what does that say good point <laughs> I don't say Christmas cards yeah, I if I had so. a list they'd be off them fine she's making a list she's checking it twice <laughs> um, it's very hard when you meet people like that the drains mm. I, to be honest my technique is normally to just not really engage in conversation like you know minim- keep it minimal don't encourage and open up the discussion because it will be everything they talk about i think also some people do really love a bit of negativity so actually they don't feel like they're being negative they feel that actually this kind of expression of that negativity is really boosting them up it makes them really happy and so there's something when you work with them and they are in your space and you can't get away from them there's something about okay well how can I control my response and my relationship with them so if I know that I'm going to have a meeting with them can I make sure that I've got something good happening after that meeting or can I make sure that I schedule it at a certain part of the day where I know I'm going to be at my most kind of able to deal with it and the other thing I find really wild it just take the piss out of them be like oh still moaning oh, <laughs> still sad yeah. or and- ask them what they're going to do about it you know when people moan there's nothing worse than somebody critiquing something or moaning about something but they haven't actually got a solution so mm. I normally be like okay that's fine and what are you going to do about this exactly and normally that shuts them up because they're not going to do anything no. they're just going to moan Oh, I know, but sometimes when you want a really good moan and then someone's like, what are you going to do about it? You're like, oh, God, now I've got to come up with a solution. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and our third and final problem, Emma, tell us. Yeah, so this is an interesting one. This is from a guy friend of mine, actually. He's dating this girl. They've been together a few months now. And this girl that he's dating has said to him, I actually don't believe in monogamy. And I do not you know he's talked about them they've basically got to that stage where you know you're talking about being exclusive and she's like actually no I don't want to be exclusive I love you I want to be with you I want a serious committed relationship with you but I don't want to commit to being monogamous do you know who I blame for this who I blame vice (laughs) bloody vice every week there's another article about how cool it is to be polyamorous Oh my god, it's, it bores me. Bores me. If you Does don't it? Be well, in a relationship with someone, don't be in a relationship well, with them. I think it's very interesting. Last week uh, on at Summit at Sea, there were some incredible talks, and one of them was from a, a woman called Esther Perel, and she is a relationship expert. 
Um, and she has some really interesting views on the future of relationships. And one of those, she has some thoughts around monogamy. And her future of relationship is that you have almost like a base that the two of you are together, but that you both go off and you do your own things and you come back. That, you know, monoga- not being non-monogamous is not about cheating. It's about an intentional wish to have desire and sexual expression with another person who is not perhaps your main. So she talks about you having your main your main person, I guess, your number one. There's oh, I can't, because everyone, everyone main wants chick to be. Or something. Is it? Yeah. Is it? It's a rap song. Is it main side chick? I'm going to put that on No, my... side chick is the one that's at the side. So, oh. the, the, yeah. <coughs> main chick, side chick. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Sorry. It's clear. I should have yeah. known. But I mean, I think like that just sounds like, yeah, I'm all for having a relationship where the two of you are together and then you go off and do your own things. I am totally up for that. Go play golf see the blokes have some fun in the pub do not go and sleep with somebody else <laughs> i don't know i disagree harriet we're on this planet a long time we might live to we're 120 can you imagine i'm 40 if i met a guy now you tell him i've got to have sex with the same person for 70 years is that 70 no that's like 60 years i can't even count but it's a long it really matter, it's it? a long, it's a long time, time to have sex with the same person <laughs> i'm on this planet once that's just doesn't really I'm, compute I'm with in my brain. We've spoken about this before. There's a book called Love, Freedom and, Al- and Aloneness uh, by Osho. And it takes the con- exactly this concept of... That's a great into, book. Oh, you come into this world alone. We've spoken about it before, ladies, but you come into this world alone. Uh, and the construct of, of, of marriage and being with one person was imposed upon us because it made economic sense or religious sense. But actually, we're about kinship and community. And I read it and I'm like, this just makes so much sense. I'm like, I love you. I commit to loving you today and being with you today. But do I think that this is the one person that's going to be with, that I'm going to be with forever? No, I don't buy into that. And it freaks guys out. But I'm like, look, can't we just have a good in- innings? 10 years? But what uh, about romance? No. But actually, look, you can have a lot of romance. This is what I found out last night about monogamy. Clearly. So monogamy actually had nothing to do with love, right? It was an economic institution, an imposition on women so that the men knew which children they had to feed when they went out to work. But now, for some reason, modern day is a conviction for all and it's all about the marker of the great ambition of love. So how did that happen? How did it go from being a, I just need, we need monogamy because otherwise this woman could have children with all different men and I'm not feeding some other guy's kids to now like you can only be in love if you're going to be monogamous. You know, I just, I think it's speechless, so Harry. I'm speechless. speechless. Me like, and Natalie are going to convert you. <laughs> what's really worrying about this is out there in the real world, I am considered a deeply cynical anti-romantic person, <laughs> <laughs> and here I'm, I am, the lone voice of romance in the badass women's art studio. <laughs> no, not anti-romance. Not anti-romance. Not, not anti-love. Just anti-having sex with the same person for sixty years. And I'm going to move it on from just being about the sex to. What if you connect with more than one person yeah. and your family structure or ideal is just different? Do you believe in the saying. one then, Harriet? Do you, are you waiting to meet the one? No. So I don't believe in the one. So I believe there are many ones. Because <laughs> we're in the a world. same difference. One per million. decade is my life goal. But I do believe. <laughs> High five. <laughs> just auditioning for the man for my 40s. Roll up, boys. <laughs> But I do believe in making a commitment to somebody and saying, do you know what? What we have is worth me picking you. It's worth me picking you. You can still be a chooser. You can still be a chooser. Yeah, but I'm, like, I don't want to be... Well, A, 
what I'm saying is like when I pick someone, I want them to feel special. Not that I'm picking them and then I'm off with their still be your number one. You can have a number one. But then what happens if you're somebody's number two or number three or number well, that's four? That's okay, but maybe they're like a twice a year thing. I don't know. But they're not your number one. You can still have a number one. So I just find this really strange. So I am... Um, when I say this... <laughs> low now, I, mind. Um, so like, you know, we all have people that are maybe not the number one, but they're around for the occasions that you need them. And <laughs> those luxury friends are you talking about? Luxury, luxury friends. Luxury friends. I don't like the term friends with benefits. It's luxury friends. Yeah. Oh you know, friendship, but the there's, luxury there's a version. whole industry there. <laughs> T-shirts, merchandise. I'll knock up a logo this afternoon. Oh. But I feel like even that, sometimes I have conversations with them and I feel this a bit like, it's slightly awkward when I'm like, you are lovely, but not that lovely. And at some point, I want to be able to say to somebody, do you know what? You are worth me giving up the stuff that's kind of only okay for. And I would like to think that I am worth you giving up the stuff that's only kind of okay for. We're not not saying that. That yeah. is what we all want. Yeah. I'm just saying that could be one year, it could be 10 years. Um, there could be multiple people that where you experience that thing with it's just being open to a different way of thinking about love and how you will go through your relationships and life and whether or not this marriage to one person and everything you say in your vows is the reality of, of where we've come from as humans do you know what i think this is just another symptom of our throwaway society Oh, it's I don't like want to throw dishwashers. anyone away. I just want to experience them all. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're wondering Emma. where all the single men have gone, Sorry, Emma Mom. has got them. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to move into part four now where I'm just so sad. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to move into part four where hopefully it all gets better. And we'll be talking about our backdated badass, that woman from history that time has forgotten and we really, really want you to remember. So um, we'll be there again and we'll also be giving you the one thing that you can do to change the world. So we're back for section four, the final section. Some of us are still traumatised by the last one. But moving on, uh, we are now going to be looking at our backdated badass, that woman from history that probably wasn't into monogamy either. (laughs) Uh, Nat, who are we talking about this week? This week, we are talking about the wonderful Shirley Chisholm. So Shirley was born in uh, 1924, and she was an American politician, educator and author. In 1968, she became the first African-American woman elected to the United States Congress. And the reality is not many women have been elected after her. Um, She uh, represented New York's 12th district uh, for, for seven terms. And in 1972, she became the first black candidate for a major party's nomination for the president of the United States. So basically, she, in the same way Bernie and Hillary did the primaries for them to select a final candidate, she went through that process to put herself forward for president. And I'm like, in 1972, if that's not badass, I don't know what is. For some, for a, for a black woman to stand up not long after you've just been given the vote, to stand up and say, look, I think I can run the country 
and be taken pretty seriously. There is some amazing footage of her doing rallies and, and, and speeches. Um, so she is my backdated badass. She sounds incredible. Yeah. And what I love about that was that was 1972. And so we kind of forget that actually this campaign for a female president is not a new thing. No. You know, Hillary Clinton was not the first. And although it saddens me that it was Shirley Chisholm was 1972, it's also, I think, quite innovating because it feels like Hillary Clinton won't be the last. It's going to keep coming. It's going to keep happening. And eventually we will get there. I think just one thing that I really want to add very quickly, uh, and it's a bit like uh, UK politics, we're not doing very well in terms of the numbers of women in politics, and obviously we need to do a, a lot more about that. Uh, but in the US Senate, there's only been one woman of colour. In, in all of the, One woman of colour in all of this time, there are now four. Yeah. Um, and they were celebrating it because, it, you know, they were like, you know, we've, it, we've times four, and it's like, but it's only four? And then I looked at British politics, and... Um, we it's just as dire really? so this is this is my thing that i'm going to do i'm on it make the numbers better yeah we have to and i think we also have to start really pushing those party selectors and saying actually it's not okay mm. it's not okay that there aren't as many women it's not okay there aren't as many not just women of color but people of color actually we want to see more diversity in politics across the board mm -hmm. we need to lobby Yes, Lobby. it's very one-dimensional, isn't it? Even the majority of politicians all come from like the same schools and yeah. the same backgrounds, and it's you know not representing our UK at all. So, could we have, in that case, Nat, positive discrimination on selection panels? Oh, you know how I feel about this. I'm not. Uh, I struggle with positive discrimination. What I want people to do is recognise that diversity of thought of um culture upbringing socioeconomics i mean socioeconomics is, is, is important if you start to develop um your teams your boards your selection panels so that they start to bring in people that are not like them we will go far but i i'm, I'm really anti any list that says you must because people just will think that everyone that looks different to the norm got there because they're black not because they're talented mm. not because they're qualified and i say that as a black woman like i don't want anyone to think that about me because then it means that like obviously i have to kill you um so yeah i i but if it gets the job done emma if it just changes the face of it if it kicks us off the starting block and gets it rolling it's short term i'm sorry it's it's, it's short term kick you off the starting block because as soon as someone gets it wrong or fails it'd be like well that didn't work and we'll just go back to our old system. It really has to be a lot more about a behaviour and a mindset change than an enforced change. Island, uh, Iceland, that's my so Iceland still has quotas. They're just choosing the same women, and the women in of Iceland I think still it's in Norway, like, Norway, yeah, Nordics, one of the cold countries, yeah, cold countries. <laughs> you know, they you know the women are still going on strike. So I think it's it's a, let's let's move the mindset and the behaviour forward. But we need we need a better way of harnessing those conversations. Yes, it, I agree. I just don't understand how decisions get made and we don't have a clearer perspective on what's going on. I mean, or maybe we do, but I don't I don't see this. It's like why does the government not have 
an advisory board, for instance, and maybe they do, I'm not aware of this, but that you do hand select people because of their di- diverse backgrounds who are there to, to be included in that opinion. You know, there's lots of other ways you can get diversity into the conversation, even if you, if you don't want to do positive discrimination. So for me, I, re- I became pro-positive discrimination when I went to the Tory party conference five or six years ago now which if you've ever been anywhere that really will change your mind about positive discrimination it is the Tory party conference and I was at a drinks event for women who were hoping to be selected for candidacy for the next election and every single woman in that room was brilliant without exception I don't know where Nadine Doris was at the time, not there. Um, But every other woman was absolutely brilliant and you would have picked them in a second. And every single woman had been turned down in favour of a white man. Mm. And at that point, I start to get a bit frustrated because I feel like we're not really pushing ourselves to be more diverse. Well, the illusion is that what's there already is there on talent, which is not the case. So actually, you know... like you're saying that you think that people will be judged and not acknowledged for their talent because we just assume these people are there because they're so brilliant and they're not they're there because of privilege or they're there because of I think we know they're not brilliant but the people that hold the status quo can do that when you don't and you are the minority in a number of ways it is it's just uncomfortable to be there because of a quota because someone has been told that you need to be in the room I want you to know that if I'm in the room, it's because I'm badass and you know that I am the person you want on your team. So what I really want to come out of the Trump presidency is a worldwide acknowledgement and disappearing of the idea that there is the best person for the job or that, in fact, we hire the best person for the job. Because I think what Trump versus Clinton, and I think we can all agree regardless of what you think of them, in terms of experience, she was the better candidate. As human beings, we do not hire the best. We hire what we think is going to be right and what we feel a connection to. That's such a great point. Because there's the study, isn't there, that's been on CVs where if there's a, um, a job that's posted and you get a man and a woman applying, the man will be like, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that, I'll wing that, I'll wing that, I can do that, I can do that, and they'll apply, which is exactly what Trump's done. Yeah. And a woman will be like, well, I can't do that and I can't do that, so I'm not applying. So, yeah, I think it's actually Trump is a little bit of a role model for lots of people to, you know... <laughs> Put yourself forward. But, sorry, can I just say that on the Trump point, really, really quickly, if Trump didn't say all the crazy things he said, but he was just an entrepreneur businessman saying, I want to revolutionise politics, we'd be having a different conversation yeah, right and now. I probably would have voted for him. If he, wasn't, if he wasn't the crazy psychopath, like, yeah. if he was just a really good human who was a business person but with no political background, I would have voted who, for him. Who at the core was an yeah. entrepreneur, it yeah. would have been a different conversation. Yeah, definitely, definitely not a crazy person no one's a psychopath and on that point where we've we've learned so much so much this week so we've learned that monogamy boo boring we've learned that actually knowing what you do when it comes to a job really not necessary (laughs) (laughs) and so we're gonna end with the one badass principle that we think you should live your week by i'm genuinely terrified as to what this could be nat tell us what is our badass principle our badass principle for the week is demand passion and what does that mean it means go into every situation that you can and demand the best, for want of a better word. Put your whole self into it. If something's wrong, fix it. If you don't like something, say so. If it can be better, 
work to change it but be passionate about it bring your whole self into it and if the world seems too much go and be passionate with the environment or with music or your favorite food or your favorite bottle of wine or whatever it is but just find that place of feelings and passion i love that emma what does that mean for you yes i think similar to what nat's saying <clears throat> i think you know when you have passion for something and you channel it positively, you can achieve all kinds of amazing goodness. So don't channel your passion in terms of like, I'm really angry, well, I suppose you could, but try not to channel it into like negative emotions, but channel that passion into making you do stuff and making stuff happen. And I love that idea of, you know, not channeling an anger or something like that into negativity, but channeling it into positivity. So this week when I was really, really upset about the election, I decided that next week I am going to run a whole workshop for women on how to get ahead and that I'm going to donate the profits from that workshop to a female charity. And that is how you turn a negative anger into an actual action. And that w- workshop, what's it called, Harriet? It's called Wigging It. <laughs> Yeah, winging it. And it's all about how to get ahead in times of uncertainty. And we'll put it in the show notes. Um, So that is us for this week. Thank you for listening. As ever, you can tweet us or send us your opinions and thoughts. I'm at Harriet Minter. I'm at Emma Sexton. And I'm at Nat D. Campbell. And we will be back again next week for another Badass Women's Hour. Being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.